My name is Desiree Lawson, and you're listening to the Root and STEM podcast, a podcast exploring issues and stories in STEAM education. In this episode, I share my experiences as a member of the Hechtzauch Nation. My name is Desiree Lawson, and I am Hechtzauch. Uh, from Bella Bella. When I started with Ocean School, I was working with the Heltzik Integrated Resource Management Department. I am currently not. I decided to go back to school. So I'm currently in the Resource and Environmental Management uh, Master's Program at SFU. For the last decade or so, um, I've been supporting the nation in their stewardship priorities, so definitely want to continue with whatever's a priority for the nation. Uh, More recently, I've been working for the four Central Coast nations, so it's been really great to um, incorporate the priorities from all four nations. So definitely want to continue on that path with whatever the nations want. My own nation, which is uh, Hechtzauch, the Kirisu Hecheis, uh, Newhawk and the Wiccanoch nations are the four nations that make up the Central Coast Indigenous Resource Alliance, and that's where I was working. One of the passions that I have around new resource and environmental management is the worldview of, of my nation and the the Central Coast Nations is really not seeing our world as resources to be extracted. We have um, creation stories that go back uh, millennia, and our worldview and, and our way of life is just living in a reciprocal relationship with our environment. You know, we have Chlachwe, uh, which means where our, our stories come from, where our names come from. And ultimately, those are areas that we're responsible for taking care of. So to me, that resource and environmental management is more living in a reciprocal relationship and taking care of our homelands and waters. That's what's important to me. And that's um, worldview that I feel the Central Coast nations share. When I spent time with our matriarchs and our language speakers and and elders in in community, um, I asked them to translate Ocean's Act into our language. And I was super shocked when they said, which translated literally means respecting and taking care of our ocean relatives. Our job is not to manage the ocean. We don't even have a word for to manage in our language. So to be in a respectful relationship with our ocean relatives, to see the ocean as as an extension of our family, is a worldview that I wish um, everyone shared. Because it would mean that our ocean and our, our relatives in the ocean would be so much better taken care of. Some of the things that I grew up doing with my my family, my immediate and extended family, 
you know, seaweed season was a really big time for us, as well as um, herring time when we when we get herring eggs. But seaweed picking time is one of the I think most favorite times and memories that I have as a child. And you know, we would spend I don't know how long um, in a place called Aquis or um, Striker, and it was filled with an extended family, um, immediate family, so many cousins, um, aunties and uncles, and we would go on the water and, and pick seaweed. Our nation calls it uh, basically black gold. So it was a really important food item, a really important trade item. Recently, there was what was called a, a warm blob, and it put our seaweed species at risk. Um, there was a, a low return rate, a low growth rate of that seaweed because of that warm blob. It really prompted the nations to to begin looking closer and, and taking more scientific research on that seaweed species. So I think that, you know, that's sort of how I like to see things happen on the Central Coast with the, the Secura nations is you know, people on the ground observe something that's um, troubling or people are on the ground are seeing dwindling sort of abundance of a certain species, like Dungeness crab is a big one that was very nation-driven. And there's there's so many species on the coast where the nations sort of sounded alarm bells and said, there's something wrong here, there's something going on, and the nations will utilize uh, Western science and scientists to move their agenda along. Um, so to sort of take the info that's that's gained from Western science and apply our laws or our indigenous laws to say, you know, this, this practice isn't right, um, maybe specifically to the herring sacro fishery. Um, our people always knew that taking entire populations of herring from one specific area is, is not good, it's not right. It, it's not in respect or a reciprocal relationship with the herring. So using um, our Gwe'ilas or our ancestral laws and also utilizing science as a tool to move our agenda forward to continue protecting and taking care of a specific species such as herring are projects that I've seen that work very successfully on the coast. Um, the Haltzik Nation was able to have a 10-year moratorium on the sacro fishery because the herring populations were dwindling and it really worked out for them and then you know on the 10th year there was the the occupation of the dfo office because dfo unilaterally tried to open the sacro fishery again so with that occupation came i think some really great steps forward in the relationship with the the health technician and, and dfo to to have a joint management plan, to um, not allow DFO to unilaterally make decisions any longer about herring sacro openings on the central coast. So tying together or, you know, using our Gui'ilas, our ancestral laws, and also bringing in uh, Western science help move our agenda along. You know, climate change has had a negative effect on a lot of species and and the central coast in general. Colonialism has had a huge effect. You know, we were 
Celtic people and and First Nations people across you know what we call Canada now has changed a lot of how we harvest um, everything. You know we were forcefully put into tiny little reserves where you know we don't have access to a lot of species that we um, relied on for our survival. Colonialism and climate change and you know so many different aspects of all the negative impacts that uh, the nations have seen have definitely played a role in you know, the changing of my diet. Uh, just thinking about, you know, herring eggs or, or clams were very big parts of our diet before. And I think even since I was a child, I, I definitely don't eat those uh, food species as much as I used to. There have been a lot of um, negative impacts to the Central Coast nations, the Celtic nation. Relaw was revitalizing Indigenous law for land, air and water. Um, because our people know that so much of our history, so much of our Gwilas or our laws um, specific to the Helsic Nation have been lost or stolen from us. Um, so beginning the process of revitalizing those and and even just talking about what is Helsic law, what are our Gwilas and you know, just spending time in community talking to people about what that means to them. I think was, you know, a really good recognition, a really great first step in many that have happened over the years because there there have been so many people who worked really, really hard to to save our culture, to save our language, to save our, our practices and, and who we are as Celtic people. And there are many people who continue to do that today. Um, so Rila was just sort of one step in that process. And I was really grateful to be part of it. And really grateful to spend time with knowledge holders and elders and language speakers and and especially youth. I feel like our youth of the Haltzik Nation are they're so just with it. You know, they they understand so much more than I ever did when I was their age. You know, they they understand what's happened in the past. They understand where they are right now and they they know what they need to move forward to bring back our language and our culture and I think that they're just so intelligent and so well equipped to to do that for our nation so I'm very proud of our youth. In academia, I've always been, you know, the only visible Indigenous person, and it's always been really stressful. It's always been very emotionally draining, you know, because I don't know everything, you know. I don't know exactly, you know, I, I don't know everything about what it means to be Celtic. I don't know about every other First Nation in BC or Canada, and I feel like as the only Indigenous person, sometimes people look to me for that and it's really tiring because I, I don't know. You know, there's so many things that I didn't I didn't learn growing up. You know, I'm the, I think, third generation in my family that does not speak my language. And it's really difficult to go into academia sometimes and, and not know certain things or be called on and not know. So it's um, difficult to... Also see the other side of that where I think there are things that I do know, like, you know, how basically how to be welcome to someone else's homeland and someone else's territory in a respectful way and it isn't being done. And then it just sort of creates this uneasy feeling of, you know, I, I know the names of the nations where 
I live and where I go to school right now, but, you know, sometimes I, I feel like I need to do more to be respectful to those nations, as I would expect if anyone were coming to my homeland, right? It was um, an ocean school sharing that I did for a high school back east. And one of the questions I received that was, I think, really, really great was from a student. And he asked, you know, what, what can I do? How can I help? And, you know, being in, I think it was Montreal, I was kind of like, what? <laughs> you know, like just the the questions that kids ask are so amazing and, and insightful and thoughtful. And one of the, you know, Celtic um, principles to continuing that our knowledge and our guillas and our way of life continues forward is once you are taught something, you are seen as the, the knowledge holder for that information. So it, it's up to you to then go and, and teach what you've learned. So I think that with our youth now, they're doing that. They're taking the knowledge that they've learned and they're sharing with the rest of the world. And I think that um, it's it's just a matter of, of reaching out and connecting with, with people um, in the areas that you live where where you call home um, because it is it was someone else's home it is someone else's home where everyone is like you are all on native land and it's it's just a sign of respect and an act of reconciliation to reach out and, and learn about whose home you're on and to learn about that nation and connect to that nation and because all first nations in canada now are are different. They need different things. They want different things. And it's up to you to reach out and, and figure out what that is and, and how you can support that. For more about ocean conservation, check out The Root and Stem magazine at pinois.com or more episodes of the Root and Stem podcast available to download on your streaming platform of choice, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google.